Hi, guys. Coming up today, I can't believe it, but we got him. Attorney Michael Avenatti, a man you've heard or seen all over TV, unless you've been under a rock. Hi, guys. It's me, Lisa Stanley, your Renta Yenta. And on today's episode, oh boy, gird your loins. This is a good one. A doozy. We got him. Michael Avenatti. I don't know how, but we did. Yep, that's Stormy Daniels' attorney. We'll discuss everything. Trust me. Okay, hi, Michael. And it's Avenatti. 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 Don't forget that name, people, because I have a feeling we're going to hear that name a lot in the future. I am so grateful for you taking time out. I know how busy you are. This has been a hell of a six-month whirlwind for you. But I really wanted to have you here, not so much to talk about Stormy, but we will, of course, talk about Stormy, who I feel so bad for the poor girl, what she's been through. Um, but I want people to know who you are and the kind of human you are and the kind kind person to do what you're doing because you are taking a lot of crap for doing what you're doing. So let's start out. You were born in Sacramento, yes? Yes, that's correct. Sacramento, California. And then you've lived in Colorado, Utah, and ended up in Washington, right? Going to George Washington University? Yes. Ultimately, I went to law school at George Washington University Law School. I went to college at Penn, the University of Pennsylvania. And uh, I actually graduated high school and spent most of my formative years in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, Midwestern boy. Do you come from a large Italian family? No, I'm half Italian uh, from my father. Uh, my great-grandfather, Augustino, immigrated from northern Italy around the turn of the century and uh, worked on the railroads, saved enough money to send for the balance of his family. And then on my mother's side, my mother was actually born on a cotton farm in Luters, Texas, outside of Abilene, population 300. They uh, did not even have electricity until she was six. There was no midwife when my mom was born. Her grandmother delivered her, actually, uh, and she learned to pick cotton as soon as she could walk um, in Texas. Can you believe that? Now, that's some story, my friend. Is your mother still with us? Yes. Yes, she is. My mother and my father. I'm very blessed. They're, they're, still, uh, they're still alive, uh, still very active, and uh, they live in St. Louis in the same house that we moved into in 1982 when we moved from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Wow. Brothers, sisters? Half-brother and a half-sister. Uh, my half-brother, uh, in fact, was born at Baylor Hospital in uh, Dallas, Texas. Wow. This is amazing. Now, is it true your middle initial is J? It is for John. Um, because that's the same middle initial as, you know, the guy in the White House. Yeah, I, maybe I you want to change that. I know that. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Hopefully we can get it done in short order. <laughs> you uh, graduated first in your class at George Washington uh, University. Is that uh, true? At, at George Washington University Law School, uh, I graduated at the top of my class in December of 1999, and then I relocated out to Los Angeles to take the California bar uh, in early 2000, passed the bar, and then I've been practicing here in uh, Los Angeles for about 18 years now. But you've uh, got you've got over with the George Washington University Law School, they've got an award for you in excellence in pretrial and trial advocacy. Yeah, it was quite That's cool. Yeah, it was it was quite an honor. The law school, which has been around a long time, uh, named an award after me, which they and this give. is long before Stormy Daniels. Okay, people, this is just to show you he's the real deal. 
Well, I, I appreciate I appreciate that. That's very kind. But um, they they named this award after me, and they give it every year to the graduating a graduating student uh, who's demonstrated uh, excellency in in trial advocacy. And uh, they've been giving the award now for a number of years. Uh, and you know, I can't say enough good things about uh, George Washington University Law School. It gave me a great opportunity, and they've been a big supporter for a long time. And the thing I don't think people really understand is they think that you've all of a sudden just come onto the scene with the Stormy Daniels and, and the Michael Cohen and President Trump. Um, but the facts are that you've always had high profile cases, as I read about you. Uh, you took on the NFL. You've had celebrities, including Christina Aguilera, the Eagles band. I mean, you've been doing this high profile lawyering for most of your career, if not all of it. Yes. That's true. I've, I've been very, very fortunate. I've had occasion to represent uh, people in a lot of high-profile cases. They haven't always been celebrities. Uh, the majority of my work has been for uh, you know average men and women, uh, working people, uh, the Davids versus the Goliaths, uh, if you will. I've had an incredible career. Uh, I've been very, very blessed, very, very fortunate. Uh, but I bristle a little bit when people say that you know I've just come on the scene lately. It, you know, clearly my profile has increased well, it's it, hu- hugely. There's no question over the last um, six months. But, uh, you know, people act like uh, before the last six months that, you know, I was out handling uh, traffic tickets day in and day out, which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate. I mean, up until uh, the last six months or prior to the last six months, I've had over a billion dollars in verdicts and settlements. Uh, representing clients uh, over the last 18 years. Last year, I had a $454 million jury verdict representing doctors, nurses, first responders against a medical company that made some defective product and put their lives at risk. Uh, It was the largest verdict in California last year, third largest in the nation. How did your company get into trouble then with the bankruptcy? Are you just restructuring? Is that what's going on there? Well, no, there was a, the the law firm actually was forced into uh, an involuntary BK by a uh, consultant that we had hired down in Florida, which it was a it was a bogus case that should have never been filed, and then the case was ultimately dismissed. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Why so, don't you uh, clear some of that up if you could? Well, I, I appreciate that. I mean, we were placed into this involuntary bankruptcy case, and uh, and then earlier this year, the court discharged, didn't even discharge, it really dismissed the case. So the firm did not go bankrupt. It's a bunch of uh, nonsense spread by a bunch of people that want to cast aspersions about me and minimize uh, the work that we've done. But, you know, I stand behind uh, the incredible legal work that me and my staff and others that I've been associated with have done over the last um, 18 years, uh, and I'm happy to put my track record up against anybody else's. I, I imagine so, I mean, I've read a lot about you, especially after meeting you. I should tell everybody how we met. So um, Michael was at a restaurant here in Los Angeles uh, speaking with a person at a bar. And my girlfriend says, ah, there he is. There he is. Because we love you. We have big crushes on you. Full disclosure. All the ladies love you. Every time we see you on TV, we're like, man, he's so cute. And ladies, he doesn't disappoint. You'll see a picture. He is that cute in person. So I just made my way up to the bar and you were kind. And at first I thought, oh, he's just being nice to me, you know, because I said, I introduced myself. I said, I would love it if you'd be on my podcast. And you didn't just say, yeah, sure. Like some, you know, media whore. You thought about it for a second. 
you said, okay, all right, that sounds good. Get a hold of me. And then we ended up walking out together. And in the elevator, you were so kind. And you said, you know what? I'm going to do your podcast. And he's here. He's a man of his word. That is really important to me and should be to everybody. So thank you for that. Well, I, I, that's all of that is very kind. I'm, you know, I don't blush easily, but um, after that, I, I am blushing. Uh, but look, if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And that's just the way I'm built. Good. I appreciate that. Now, another thing you and I have in common, well, I don't have as much of this in common, but um, you are actually, I don't know if people know this, uh, I guess we'll call it a hobby, if you will. You're a professional race car driver. You've raced in over 33 races. I mean, if you think about it, your name does sound like Andretti. (laughs) I also raced and won the Celebrity uh, Grand Prix Toyota race for the celebrities. I came in ninth out of 14. I wasn't horrible, but I got to say, that is some scary stuff. Aren't you afraid to ruin that beautiful face? (laughs) Well, you know, that's a real passion of mine. Racing has been a passion of mine. And you're still racing now? Well, I mean... I mean, I know you don't have time right now. Yeah, right right now, I I don't. I raced uh, as late as, uh, I guess it was October of last year. But uh, I've been very fortunate. I've raced in over 33 professional races, uh, including the 24 Hours of Le Mans, the 24 Hours of Daytona many times. Hello, Z. 12 hours of Sebring. Uh, I raced in the Grand Prix of Long Beach in the sports car race. And so you just got more handsome, you know, <laughs> to all the people, all the I ladies. You, know, you just I, got more handsome. I don't, I don't know about that. But, um, you know, it's a, look, it's a passion of mine. And you still uh, going to continue when you're a little freed up here? Well, I I hope to, uh, depending on what happens. But you know, I'll say this: uh, if I could do anything, uh, that's really what I would go do. I would go do that professionally. I'm too old now, but I would go do that professionally um, all the time. But you're but, in good shape, and you yeah. have to be in good shape to race cars. That I know. A, lo- a lot of people don't realize how physical that sport really I is. I do. And Call on me. <laughs> it 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 is. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, especially endurance racing. I mean, it's grueling. Uh, these 24-hour races, you have teammates, but it's it's uh, very uh, physically demanding. It's very mentally demanding, uh, and you know I enjoy it. There's a lot of things I enjoy it uh, enjoy about it. Uh, well, I enjoy the, is, the concentration aspects of it. The good news is, is all of those things: the physical demanding, the mental helps you right now where you are in your life, my friend. So let's get to it. Let's talk about Stormy Daniels. A lot of people don't understand, and I really want to clear this up. They think you went after her because you saw an opportunity. That is not at all how Stormy Daniels made her way to you. Can you tell everybody how that happened? Well, unfortunately, I can't get into the details of exactly how we were connected because it's privileged until after the case is over. But here's what I will say. Um, I did not solicit Stormy Daniels. You know, people don't understand that at the time that I started representing Stormy Daniels in late February, this situation was not nearly as high profile or or what it is as it is today. It was in a very different uh, position, frankly. She had been on Jimmy Kimmel, but it had died down quite a bit. There was no pending lawsuit. Um, I I had followed it uh, not closely. I mean, I knew who she was. Uh, and again, I can't get into the details, but I did not, and I think she's been clear about this as well. I never approached her or solicited her or thought that this was an opportunity to get famous or anything of that nature. Thank you. And, and who could have possibly known that predicted, this would end up? <laughs> I, I did not, I did not look. I believe that this case would, you know, generate some interest, but I never in a million years thought it would generate this much interest. And in fact, 
I flew to New York uh, the day that we filed the case. We filed it late in the day, and there was a, a strategy behind doing that from a press per- perspective. And that day that we filed, I landed in New York, and I had, to give you an idea, I had three days worth of clothes. And then I was going to come back to L.A. I thought I was going to be there three days tops, and then I would come back to L.A. Well, The whole thing I blew right up. I, I, I didn't return to L.A. for something like 22 days and ended up, uh, you know, having the same clothes laundered uh, time and time again. <laughs> well, so you guys can do that because you can wear the same suit and just change out your tie. It's a lot easier shirt. for us. Yes. No question. <laughs> okay, so Bill Maher uh, called you uh, a folk hero. Which I think a lot of people would say. I mean, Anthony, uh, one of our producers here, has said the same thing. You walked in the door and said you're his hero. So does do people come up to you on the street and say things to you like that? Do you get more pleasantries than you do uh, negative uh, things? Without a doubt. And it's all humbling. I've, I've only had two people over the last, which is remarkable to me, two people uh, come up to me and be negative relating to my efforts. Uh, One person, uh, I forget where it was, I think it was uh, perhaps in Chicago, and then the second person was actually a guy in a bathroom in a restaurant here in L.A. who came into the bathroom and wanted to start an argument with me. And I basically said to him... Wait, while you're at the urinal? Yeah, in, in the bathroom. And I basically said to him, I said, you know, dude, listen, <laughs> if you want to have this discussion, I'll have it anywhere you want, but we're not doing this in the bathroom, all right? Like, the bathroom is off limits for, we're not going to have political discussion or arguments over Trump in the bathroom. Let us let me finish my business, and then we can talk outside. It's pretty amazing how people will just think that's okay to do that. I mean, right? I mean, right? I'm looking at your producer. I mean, right? It's got to be. There's got to be. A, is the bathroom off limits, or am I wrong about this? It's off limits. You you don't look up, look around. You you look straight, handle your business, right. and wash your hands. Wash your hands, and, hands and you're out. Right. Right. I mean, honestly, come on. That's the craziest thing. All right. Speaking of Donald Trump, it's not the first time you sued him, is it? Were you involved with a lawsuit with The Apprentice? Yeah. Back in the 2000s, uh, I represented a client who had come up with the idea for The Apprentice and had pitched it to uh, one of Mark Burnett's uh, senior producers. And we alleged that they stole the idea from my client and then went on to involve Donald Trump uh, and create The Apprentice. And and I'll just tell you that, you know, there's a lot of people that come out of the woodwork anytime anything is successful. You know, there's probably 73,112 people that claim they came up with Star Wars, right, um, as an example. But this guy legitimately had come up with the idea. And they ripped uh, him off. And, and uh, we alleged that they took it from him and and we settled that case on the eve of trial wow all right all right so now let's get to the big lawsuit um on uh did did they lift the stay on on this the stay is still in place there's a hearing on monday the 24th uh so less than a week here in los angeles at two o'clock in the afternoon downtown and judge otero the federal district court judge is going to make a determination as to uh, as to whether the stay is going to be lifted and whether 
the case is going to proceed. We've been adamant that we want the case to proceed. And, and the reason is because you can depose both Donald Trump and Michael Cohen if the case proceeds. Now, the fact that this is all going on, and they are obviously nervous, Michael, because they've backed down and offered to rip up the NDA and and everything you offered to do in the beginning, give back the money, everything that you guys suggested in the beginning that they wouldn't hear about, all of a sudden now, they want to play ball. You're not going to do that, are you? Well, no, we're not going to do that because, uh, and there's some legal technicalities as to what they've offered versus what we really want. We want a finding that the contract is illegal and was illegal. Uh, Michael Cohen uh, has not admitted that, at least in this case, he pled guilty to the campaign finance violation, uh, the that illegality That must have vindicated you and Stormy must feel so validated and vindicated. Well, we do, uh, to a significant degree. A lot of people called her uh, a liar when we filed this case, and she put up with a lot, and she's shown incredible courage and fortitude in marching Cost her forward. marriage, I'm pretty sure. And you're right about that. And, you know, people don't understand the personal toll that this has taken, this case has taken um, on her. Uh, and, and she has a child, people. It's just not right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not right. And, uh, you know, people think that because of the notoriety that she has obtained and, and to a lesser degree the notoriety that I have obtained that – you know, some somehow we're getting rich off this, and uh, you know that's just not the case. I mean, you can go on CNN three hundred times, but it doesn't keep the lights on. It doesn't pay the bills, and a lot of people right. don't understand that. But there's been significant security issues, uh, both for her and her family, um, as well as me. There's been a high You've price had to death pay. Threats. Oh, many, many death threats over the last six months. Do you travel with security? At, at times, I travel with security. She has to travel with full-time security. That's uh, costly. V- very expensive. Who's going to pay for that? Well, you know, we started uh, we started a crowd justice site early on, uh, similar to a GoFundMe page, and, and people were fortunate enough to contribute monies to that. Where can they do that uh, at? They can do that at crowdjustice.com, okay. uh, and then if they type in Stormy Daniels, they f- they'll find the site, and they can uh, help defray some of her uh, uh, expenses and, and legal costs. Uh, but this has been a very, very expensive process for um, our attempts to get to the truth and disclose to the American people what really happened here. Well, Michael Cohen has has in some ways admitted a lot of this, right? I mean, he really has. Um, But you did tweet out a long time ago, in the very beginning of this, you tweeted out a photo with a, a tape player and a DVD with the picture you said... I believe you said something like, if a picture is worth a thousand words, how much is this worth? We still don't know what's there. Are we ever going to find out? Well, I I hope so. I mean, we're not in possession of the DVD um, presently. It's in uh, the possession of law enforcement. So I don't have I don't have the DVD any longer, but I'm hopeful that the contents of that DVD uh, and the picture actually was the DVD in a safe um, that I sent out. But I'm, I'm hopeful that those contents are going to be disclosed to the American public. Now, you've also said, I've, I've heard uh, you say that there's over 100 tapes, you think, from Michael Cohen's standpoint. Correct. I, I believe, believe there's well over 100 audio tapes. do you believe tapes. we're going to hear any more of them? We've heard a couple. Are we going to hear any more? You think this guy's going to come to the plate? I, I, I do think um, that ultimately the public is going to hear more audio tapes. What do you think is going to be on there? 
in your op- professional opinion that, only. That, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, Michael Cohen has uh, a significant amount of damaging information on Donald Trump. This was his right hand, uh, quote, fixer, close quote, for, you know, the better part of 10 or 12 years. And, you know, it's uh, at times he actually referred to himself before this case as uh, Ray Donovan, which I found to be <laughs> which I found to be very insulting because Ray Donovan is my favorite show <laughs> on television. I love Love Ray Donovan. Leave the best. And, right. Oh, he's the best. He's phenomenal. Are you kidding me? The guy is a complete <laughs> stud. The guy is a complete stud. And then you have Michael Cohen referring to himself as Ray Donovan. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. First of all, who calls himself? Even even Ray Donovan would not call himself Ray Can Donovan. Can you imagine right? the nerve of this guy? And, and, the and, ego. And, you know, what's amazing to me is, is if you're going to have a fixer, the fixer has got to be two things. He's got to be tough. Uh, and smart. And Michael Cohen is neither tough nor smart. <laughs> All right. You also predicted at some point, I don't remember when I heard you say this, but you predicted that Trump would resign. Do you still feel like he's going to do that? You know, I'm going to stand by my prediction, but here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say two things. First of all, it's a very dynamic situation, and a lot of things have to um, fall into place, in my view, for that to happen. Um, and secondly, he has to be backed in a corner for that to happen. Well, and, and even and even more so, and that leads to my second point. You know, there's a lot of things that would happen that would cause you or me or your producer or others to resign our position for the better of the country or our families, right? Kind of like Julie uh, Chen Moonves had to do on the talk. She had to resign after less Moonves' indiscretions were disclosed. So, so uh, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen that would cause an average person to do the right thing and to attempt to save face or at least save his or her family and step aside, right? But this man, Donald Trump, is not normal by any stretch of the imagination. He is a narcissist of epic proportions. And I believe believe that his position is that that he would uh, potentially burn the republic and his family to the ground before he would admit defeat and step aside. I agree with you 100%. 100% I agree with you. Okay, so Trump, um, oh, I wanted to ask you about the op-ed. Who do you think wrote that New York uh, piece, that op-ed? I think it came from Pence's office. I agree 100%. I think it came from Pence's office. I think that he... He's um, had it, I think. I, I think, well, I think he's got a significant motive, obviously. Well, it would you make know, every, him the president. Every vice president wants to be president, and especially Mike Pence. He most certainly wants to be president. And, you know, what's interesting about the op-ed is that while critical of Trump, it was supportive of the policies that were being put in place. And so it kind of it attempted to hit the ball down the middle of the fairway, if you will. And it, it provided, in my view, kind of a clear-cut argument for why it would be okay if Mike Pence became president. So that's why I happen to agree with you. I think it came from Pence's office. It really sounded like it came from a high person in Pence's office, too. Maybe like his uh, chief of staff is what I'm thinking. I I think that's a good bet. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So now Trump is calling this whole situation uh, treasonous. Some say he's, of course, using this to distract from the real issues, like getting to the bottom of the Russian collusion. How do you feel about all of that? Well, I don't think uh, I don't think it's treasonous. I uh, I think it is a sad commentary, though, on where we stand as a nation. That you have individuals in 
uh, the White House in close proximity to the President of the United States. Running our lives. Run, running our lives, making decisions that impact millions of people, put people's lives at risk, put their families at risk, put their livelihoods at risk. Um, that are resorting to writing anonymous op-eds in the New York, New York Times, you know, recording the president and others in the White House. I mean, this conduct... You mean like Omarosa and her pen? That this, I mean, this conduct would have been unheard of in any prior administration. And it's really mean, a sad... Com- it has been. <laughs> Cor- well, correct. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's a sad commentary on the lack of decency and respect uh, that the Oval Office and the highest office in the land presently possesses. And we've got to fix it. I mean, we've got to get back to a place where uh, men and women around the country actually look up to the president of the United States. And uh, and, and how about other countries look up to us? We've got to fix that, too. 100%. I mean, I don't think a lot of people understand how dangerous this situation is. This is a very dangerous situation. For the first time uh, in more than 50 years, uh, some would argue 100 years, our allies don't necessarily know where we stand. They don't know if they can count on America. They don't know uh, if something happens, whether they can actually count on uh, the president of the United States to step up and do the right thing. And that is a very dangerous thing. And the enemies, there's a lot of enemies of America, and our enemies are paying attention to this. And I think we are sitting on a powder keg, frankly, a ticking time bomb. You can use whatever metaphor you want to, but this is a very dangerous situation. I agree. And even more dangerous in my opinion, opinion is judge kavanaugh what do you think about what's going on with this i mean this is a lifetime job this is something that definitely needs to be uh uh vetted and i don't know why they don't want to bring the fbi into doing more checkup on him but when a woman and a doctor dr ford christine ford i believe uh is accusing him of is a horrible situation and yet this guy is a second away from being part of the supreme court who rules our world for the next 40 years this guy could be there what do you think about all this so I'm a student of the law. I mean, this is what I do. Uh, and I have very, very strong opinions about the Supreme Court and about the appointment of justices to the Supreme Court. So here's what I'm going to say. First of all, um, the Democrats did not do the right thing as it related to Judge Garland uh, uh, a couple years ago. They should have fought tooth and nail. They should have gone to the mat. Uh, they should have done whatever they needed to do to you make by sure. by not getting appointment done while Obama was there. Well, correct. I mean, yeah. they didn't get the up and down vote. Mm-hmm. And people ask, well, you know, there was nothing to do. And I, I have very strong opinions about there was all kinds of things that could have been done. The Democrats didn't do anything. And that was a critical mistake. And that's why we find ourselves, frankly, in the position that we do now with this appointment. Had Judge Garland been handled appropriately, had the Democrats fought and gone to the mat, then that seat would have been would have gone to Garland and we wouldn't be in such a precarious position now related to Kavanaugh. Correct. And 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 this is the other thing as it relates to twenty twenty and why I feel so strongly about this is because if Donald Trump is reelected in twenty twenty, which could very well happen. Could very well happen. In fact, if the economy holds, it's gonna be an incredibly difficult race. I don't care what anybody says. People should not underestimate this guy. If he is reelected in twenty twenty, the Supreme Court at a minimum is gonna go seven to two and it's gonna remain that way for the better part of thirty to forty years, and people don't understand what that means in America. You're talking about 
about you're talking about nine kings on the Supreme Court. These individuals have an enormous amount of power. They impact American life. They're more powerful than the president. Hundred percent. I agree. That. People don't understand that, and they have lifetime tenure, and you cannot you can just never fix fire it. Them. You cannot just fix it by electing a new president or a new Congress or a new Senate. Nope. So the Supreme Court is of paramount importance. Now, as it relates to Judge Kavanaugh and this accusation from Dr. Dr. Ford, I believe the nomination should be pulled immediately because it's the right thing to do. There's a lot of attorneys and a lot of other judges in the country that could fill this role that do not have um, this taint, if you will. Hanging over them. Hanging over them. This is not something to be uh, trifled with. This is a big deal. You're talking about lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court of the United States. So I think that it's the right thing to do to pull the nomination. And secondly, if Trump was smart and he's not, He's strategically (laughs) stupid most of the time. If he was smart, he would pull it because it doesn't make make any sense. Correct. All right. But, but, you know, this is not how he's built. He doesn't know how to cut his losses. (laughs) So, so I think that if the nomination is going to go forward and appears that it is, um, that there should be a full investigation. You're not going to adjudicate. Uh, or determine whether this assault took pl- took place over one single day of Senate confirmation hearings. You would have to have multiple witnesses called. There should be an ample investigation you think relating the FBI to this. Should get involved. Well, I, I think either the FBI should get involved, or there should be a process by which other witnesses could be heard from and other evidence should be released. You know, I personally believe, uh, you know, I've I've become pretty decent over the last six to seven months on how to deal with the press and the media as it relates to a legal matter. Except we are going to get into that in a little bit about Tucker Carlson. All right. (laughs) We're going to talk about Tucker. But but let me let me just say this, though. Um, I think if I was advising her and I'm not, but they need to immediately release these polygraph results. They need to have her do a sit-down interview. The first time America hears from Dr. Ford should not and cannot be when they convene the hearing on Monday. Because that is a mistake. Too, well, it's too reminiscent, obviously, people, of Anita Hill. Yeah. Anita Hill was abused, abused, abused and mistreated, mistreated by that Senate committee. I remember the hear. I remember those hearings very vividly. Me too. Very vividly. A lot of people don't understand that was actually a democratically controlled committee with a Democratic chairman um, at the time. And the result of that hearing and the mistreatment of Anita Hill led to uh, what at the time was called the year of the woman, the 1992 election cycle, ironically enough, uh, Mm -hmm. which was 26 years ago. But I think it is a critical mistake, critical mistake for her story to first be told on Monday in that Senate confirmation hearing, if I was advising her... She hasn't made up a decision yet. They're giving her till 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Well, and that's even all the more reason why, um, in my view, she needs to do a sit-down interview. I mean, there's been a number of things that I would have handled differently over the last three or four days. This is a critical time period, and in my view, the, the court of public opinion is very often more important than a court of law. And this would be an example of one such opportunity. They need to get out in front of this and lay a foundation for this woman so that when she testifies on Monday, she needs safety. Absolutely. She needs a foundation. She needs a safety net. We cannot allow her to be treated the same way Anita Hill was back in 1991. That would be an outrage. A total outrage. Um, All right. You say we're in the second quarter and this is a four-quarter game. What do we expect to see in the last two quarters, in your opinion? 
Relating to Stormy's case? Yeah. I mean, we're hopeful that we're going to get these depositions of Michael Cohen and Donald Trump, and ultimately we're hopeful that we're going to get a trial uh, as to whether this agreement was uh, legal or illegal. And uh, we're also going to press forward relating to the defamation claim against Michael Cohen, who effectively called my client a liar, as well as Donald Trump, who called her a liar relating to the assault that took place in in Vegas. Isn't that funny how they... You guys proved she wasn't a liar. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, I, I feel very strongly about this, and Stormy feel, feels very strongly that you know we need to make sure that justice is um, done here, and we're going to keep swinging. Good. And now, before we get to Stormy's book, because it's been leaked a little bit now, and I just want to talk a little bit about but before, you keep going on all these shows. You're so kind, and you keep – you're doing my podcast. You're, you, you just do pretty much everything that anyone asks, which is so fantastic of you. Then you go on these shows – like Tucker Carlson on Fox, no less, who berates you and abuses you during an interview. He's the host. He should not do that. He should be respectful, number one. But then again, it's Fox. And this happens when you go on. You're exploiting her. And you know that. Why aren't you paying her some of what you're making? Sir, this is absurd. It's not absurd. Those are the facts. No, you don't know the facts as evidenced by the fact that you don't Is she working in strip clubs? Are you going to continue to interrupt me or are you going to let me I do know the facts, actually. You're the one that refers to her consistently as a porn star and as to me as a creepy porn lawyer. And meanwhile, you give the president president a pass who had unprotected sex with the porn star with a four-month-old son at home. Go, Michael. On every cable show, you you're running no for idea. president now. You have no idea. Well, I know that you haven't paid your taxes. You How do you have a show and you're this ignorant? Uh-huh. <laughs> When's the last time you saw porn? Oh, you busted me. Actually, maybe humiliation time. porn. No, That's but, why I watch you on CNN. No, no, but creepy porn lawyer. Great to see you. I mean, first of all, let's talk about creepy porn lawyer. Who says that? Who chirons under your name, creepy porn lawyer? Were you upset by this? Well, I I was upset by it. I mean, let me, I want to say a few things. Um, So first of all, I actually only accept uh, about, uh, right now it's about 18%. People say, how do you know that? And the reason is because I have somebody that keeps track of all of the invites that we get for radio and print and TV. So I've accepted 18% of TV interviews to date. Okay. Even in, and I've been on a lot of TV, but I've accepted less than 20%. Um, radio interviews, it's less than 5%. Uh, and then print interviews, I forget what it is. I think it's higher than, than 20%, but I've turned down a lot more than I've accepted just to give an idea of the appetite or how much demand there's been for these interviews, okay? Yes, we've done a lot of media, and I think it's actually served us well as evidenced by the results we've uh, we've got over the last six months and I what has we're happened. In a, we're in a better place because of it. I, I would I agree think. 100%. I would agree 100%. I stand, by, I stand by my strategy, and I would challenge anybody to do, have uh, implemented a better strategy. So that's first of all. Now, relating to Tucker Carlson, um, you know, he said at the beginning of that show that he was not going to engage in name calling and disparage me. He and said he would be fair. He he would be fair, just and like we, Fox, fair and balanced. And and we had an agreement that he was not going to talk over me, and he was going to let me finish my answers, which he interrupted me incessantly. The Washington Post actually did an opinion piece over this, where they went and analyzed the transcript, and uh, I think on average Tucker let me speak four seconds uh, before he interrupted me. He also, it was I also really hard to watch. I also found out they had his mic boosted 
considerably over mine. <gasps> so what they do is they set his volume level much so higher than mine, heard, so he, he can drown me out and 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 interrupt me and talk over me. And then I had no idea that the Chiron, which is the banner at the bottom of the screen was stating creepy porn lawyer. That's so disgusting. what happened was after the interview I walked into the green room and I had two friends there and I said, "So what'd you think?" And they kind of looked at me and they said, "You're you're not going to be happy about this, but uh look at the Chiron and they showed me a picture they had taken on their phone from a TV that that had this creepy porn lawyer tag on it, right? So I had no idea. Otherwise, I would have called him out on the show, right? But look, I think that Tucker Carlson came off looking, uh, you know, like the clown that he is. Uh, he wouldn't let me answer the questions. This whole idea that I'm exploiting Stormy Daniels, let me explain something. All right, I want to be really clear about this. Nobody, nobody at this point Tell Stormy Daniels what to do. I think at any point you could tell she's a strong woman. All right. I'm not. Michael Avenatti is not telling Stormy to go dance in strip clubs or not dance in and strip clubs. And by the clubs. way, she did that long before you were in her world. Correct. She was doing that in February and January after this story initially broke. And frankly, what's so ironic about this is, is that I have attempted to get her to stop going to these clubs around the country for a number of reasons. Well, safety, and I'm sure. Safety is the primary yes. reason, and security, because I'm, I'm concerned. Worried. I know. And she was arrested in that bogus setup arrest that in Columbus, awful. which was outrageous. And I, I hold my breath every night that she's out there dancing in one of these clubs. And none of her money that she's earning from these, these clubs is going into my pocket. Tucker went on this whole thing about, you know, I'm getting rich from this case. No, I'm not getting rich from You're this case. You're probably getting more poor. I am getting case. significantly more poor from this case. <laughs> and look, the notoriety's been great. I'm not going to I'm not going to claim otherwise, but that doesn't keep the lights on. Like I said, you can go on uh, all the television shows you yeah, want. We're you are not paying you. And I don't get paid on any yes, of these shows. We don't pay and, and nobody so does. And so this whole idea that Tucker's going to sit there and claim, you know, that I'm sitting there in a $1000 suit while she's dancing in strip clubs. Well, guess what? You know, I've been very fortunate over my career. I've had a lot of success for a lot of really good hardworking people. And that's how I'm able to afford this suit. Stormy Daniels is not working in some strip club to put me in a nice suit. It's absurd. It's absurd. The whole thing is absurd. All right. So Stormy wrote a book, which she was writing anyway, she said. I heard her say on The View that she had planned on writing this book for a long time. And then, of course, the Trump thing uh, happened. So, of course, uh, she puts in the book, which... uh, I have to say I laughed. I'm sorry. Uh, she says it was the least, the least impressive sex she's ever had. <laughs> and then, Michael, she goes into detail about his, uh, you know, his manhood um, that really some would say only Melania could vow to. But no, there's thousands, I'm sure, that can vow to it and pretty much uh, describes it. I don't know, like Mario Brothers, uh, like the video game. I don't know, like a little mushroom. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. And what I think I love the most is he hasn't tweeted or said one thing since. <laughs> Not one thing. And I know that someone must have his hands tied behind his back because you know he is dying to say something about it. What do you have to say? What can you say? No comment. (laughs) 
And you know it takes a lot for me to say no comment. It takes a lot to shut me up. We just shut him up, Anthony. (laughs) I mean, it is the most amazing thing to read the description. I'm just going to say it of your president's penis. I'm just going to say it. Um, (laughs) I don't know any other way to uh, say it. Uh, But I, for one, I'm hoping the next question that your answer is yes. You've been asked about this before, your role in the political world. I know you've been to Iowa, to Ohio, to South Carolina. I know you have another trip coming up. Uh, is it to Plymouth? Where did I see to Plymouth, right? Right. I haven't been to South Carolina yet, nope. but I've been, I've been to New Hampshire, and I'm going back to New Hampshire next weekend. And I've got, I've got 43 events on the calendar between now and the midterms, actually. Does this mean that you are going to take a presidential run for 2020? Are you setting yourself up for that or another political role, maybe? So um, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to continue to travel around the country. I'm trying to raise money for Democrats around the country. I've got, like I said, over 40 events on the calendar, um, literally all over the country, because I think the midterm elections are very important. At the same time, people, I'm- I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, uh, I don't care what you are, vote. It is so crucial right now. So crucial. Bring bring, bring a friend with you and yes. vote. vote. Critically important. Critically important that you vote this November. I couldn't agree with you more. So I'm going to continue to travel around the country, support Democrats. At the same time, I'm gauging um, the appetite and the reaction for me to potentially run. But do you want to give up your life? You well, see what's entailed. You know, it's in, you got a good life. Right it's now. it's it's interesting that you should ask me that because I do. I'm I'm very fortunate. I do have a good life, um, and this would be a lot easier. My life would be a lot easier if I did not enter the political realm. I what never expected. I never expected to be in this. You position. never had aspirations in your life to be well, in the politics. Maybe maybe twenty five twenty five years ago, I was very active in politics. I actually worked on over one hundred and fifty campaigns in forty two states between nineteen ninety and ninety seven. Doing. Um, I did opposition research and I did media relations work. I mean, in, in virtually every big race in the country, except presidential, uh, the presidential race during that time period, uh, many senatorial, gubernatorial, congressional races around the country. But in 1997, I kind of boxed up that part of my life and I put it behind me and I finished law school and went on to launch my legal career. And I never anticipated that I was going to come back to politics. This is not something that I planned for. And frankly, Uh, um, Pandora's box just opened. (laughs) (laughs) Frankly, uh, frankly, had I known that I was going to be in this position or, uh, you know, strategized to be in it, which I did not do. There's a bunch of stuff I did in the past that I would not have done and there's a bunch of other things that I should have done that 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 uh, I did not do. Are so, there skeletons in there that you think would hold you I back? I mean, no, Donald Trump is the president. I don't Need think, I say more? No, I don't. I don't. I'm, I don't think that there's skeletons that would that would hold me back. I mean, look, I've lived a I've lived a uh, a colorful life at times, but there's nothing in my past that I'm overly concerned about. Um, but you got to give up your future at least four years. Well, you got to you got to give up a, a lot, and um, you know I. I I debate this, and it depends on when you ask me as to what I'm going to do. You know, I have days that I think I'm going to absolutely do it, and I have other days that I think that I'm not going to do it. And I have a lot of fears associated um, with doing it, um, and a lot of things that I would have to give up, and a lot of risks that I would have to take. Uh, and again, you have my children, I I do, and my life would be a lot easier again if I did not do it. But let me tell you my biggest fear. Okay, I have I have uh, I have a huge fear. 
Uh, and that is that I'm sitting on my couch in November of 2020 after having decided that it's better for me to just live my good life and enjoy my riches uh, and success. And I'm sitting on my couch and I'm watching the Democratic nominee lose to Donald Trump. And then I, uh, in the coming months, watch the Supreme Court go seven to two and change life in America for the balance of my lifetime and for the next 30 to 40 years of my children's lifetime. And then, you know, I'm in some faraway place on some grand vacation or something like that. And there's a major international incident that cost people their lives. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, who knows? I don't know. Maybe I could have made the difference, but I decided to, you know, trade it for the good life. Um, and I don't want to live That's like that. That's pretty unselfish of you I to mean, say that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm deeply and and I, I mean, I feel it right now. This is truly from the heart that I'm that I'm talking right now. Um, that's a sincere fear of mine. If I knew right now, and here's what I'll say, if Donald Trump does not run, if he were to announce today, I'm not running, my appetite for doing this goes down at least 50%. If Mike Pence then says, I'm not doing it, I will not run for the presidency. Okay. So people say this is about the ego or about me wanting to become president. No, it's about saving our country. No, it's, it's really about the fact that I think I have a unique skill set. And let me also be clear about this. I don't believe I'm the only one, okay? I don't think I'm some messiah, okay? I think there's a, a, a few people out there that could accomplish this task. I th- happen to think I'm one of them, but I'm not the only one. Um, but I think I'm in a unique position for this particular um, significant problem, this dumpster fire of a presidency that we need to solve, okay? So I am right place, right time for this. If it was someone else in the Oval Office or if it was um, uh, somebody uh, that, that was not as uh, was not as big a risk to America as I believe that Donald Trump is, you know, I would not be the guy, okay? I, would, I just wouldn't be the guy. And let me also say this. There's going to be other people that are going to run in 2020 oh, on the I'm Democratic sure side. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to run, and they would make a better president than I would. There's no question. How right? do you know? I want to be. You don't even know who, well, who they are. No, but I mean, I, I have a pretty good idea. I mean, a lot of these people they won't admit they're going to run, but everybody, everybody in Washington, and a lot of people know who they're going to be. They might make a better president than I would, but guess what? They can't beat Donald Trump. And if you can't beat Donald Trump, it doesn't matter what your experience level is or your governing style or your policies or how deep you are on policy. It doesn't matter. Hillary Rodham Clinton was the most qualified individual to ever seek the office of the presidency ever in our history. Now, that's a bold statement because we've had a lot of people seek that office Uh, that that were highly qualified. Nobody was more qualified than Hillary Rodham Clinton, more more intelligent on policy issues, et cetera. But guess what? Didn't matter because she wasn't able to beat Donald Trump. It's about matchups. It's you about you can beat who, Donald ma- Trump? who matches up better against Donald Trump. 100%. 100 percent if i got if i got the nomination if i got the nomination 100 percent i would beat that guy in the general election it would not even be close and i know that's a hell of a statement but i stand i stand behind it and people say to me well you know how can you make that statement or don't isn't that arrogant and here's what i say to them you go to the base of a mountain that you get to get to the top of it's covered in ice there's three guides the first guide says to you you know i don't know there's a lot of ice on that mountain i don't know if we're going to be able to get up there the second guide says to you you know um, I think we're going to be able to make it. I'm somewhat confident. The third guide says, put your boots on. We're going up that side of the mountain. Who are you going to pick? Number three. So <laughs> I mean, but that's, that's where we're me. at. Okay. So that's just me. And, and here's the other thing I'm going to say. Uh, some of these candidates that are rumored to be running, Donald Trump would, ru- would love to run against them. Yeah, because he thinks he can beat them, right? He does 
he does not, I'm telling you right now, Donald Trump does not want to find himself on a debate stage opposite me. But I think it'd be one hell of a ride. Oh, I, I'm looking forward to that. This has been the best. So, so fabulous. Thank you so much. Could you uh, give out your social and your websites? Because I'm sure people will have questions. Um, tell everybody where to send the, the questions. Uh, so you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at at Michael Avenatti, uh, same thing on Facebook. Uh, and then you can check out my bio and a little more about me on um, Avenatti.com. And I suggest you do, especially if he's going to make a run for the presidency. And I'm at uh, Lisa Stanley 30 on Instagram and Lisa K. Earth on Twitter. And honestly, this has been a fantastic fantastic interview thank you so much thanks for having me i'm gonna come back if you'll have me oh i'm gonna have you anytime i told you we have a big crush on you Uh, thank you thank you (laughs) 